from the top of the flight of the white white stairs through the rest of my life do you wait for me there there's a bell in my ears there's the white white Drop a bell down the stairs Hear it fall forevermore Hear it fall forevermore Drop a bell off a
why the long face sparrow perch and play songs along You're listening to on CITR 101.9 FM. My guest this week is Harvey James. His latest Hi. book is 
a long day of Mr. James, teacher. That's, right. That's correct. Um, is it? It's out now from the fine folks at Blank Slate. Yeah, it's it's, it's on Blank Slate. It's under their chalk marks um, imprint, which is um, apparently there was like a the Ignatz imprint on Fantagraphics was what they were they patterned it after. Um, yeah. So it's like um, a sort of prestige imp imprint for uh, artsy black and white comics, you know. Um, yeah, so like uh, it's, it's it's really kind of like a beautifully uh, bound, um, you know, imprint. You know, like all the books like uh, feel kind of solid and kind of weighty, and uh, I, I, it's, um, I really like how they how they look and how they feel the, the books on this imprint. Um, yeah, that's uh, so. So yeah, it's. Um, Blank Slate is doing publishing it. Right yours is interesting because it's all, I mean, they're all black and white. Uh, but yeah. yours, you take the cover off and you have this amazing, colorful cover. Yeah. Tell it's me about that. It's, it's got a secret cover on it. And um, but basically, um, we've got these dust jackets. And my, mine has, um, you know, a, a very kind of like subdued and um, melancholy dust jacket, which sort of reflects the contents of the book, I guess. But like, um, when you take off the dust jacket, there's like a very colourful and abstract picture, which is sort of secretly living underneath the uh, cover of the book, um, uh, and it's it's based on because I was a school teacher. It's it's based on something that one of the uh, kids I taught drew in my sketchbook, and he he, he would draw these insane, mutated versions of the co comic book character Doraemon, and um, you know he's like he's you know like Mickey Mouse to, to Japan, you know. And and he would draw Doraemon with like three heads and like long limbs and uh, just with weird amorphous shapes coming out of him. And then he'd like write all these insane captions in in Korean and uh, and like uh, and I got a Korean friend to uh, translate what he'd written for me. And it was just like this involved little world he'd created about um, these mutated versions of Doraemon and. Uh, it is, it is so elaborate, and, and I just um, drew them up as if I, I, try, I, I, I drew them up as if like um, I was trying to envision how he saw it in his head. You know, like if he carried on being a com drawing comics and drawing things, like what if he just honed his skills to get to the point where I am, and uh, but was still drawing the same stuff. You know, so so on the inside cover of this book, I've um, I've redrawn this child's insane and eccentric uh, doodles you know that he would leave for me in my sketchbooks it's uh, um, it, it, it works great as a kind of counterbalance to the very dryness of the book yeah the yeah the book is um, yeah it's, it's quite it's quite melancholy and um, but but I hope there's uh, I hope it's clear to the uh, reader that there's like a heart there and a kind of a, a wit to it and um, and this uh, secret cover kind of uh, yeah, it feels like it's the hidden heart of the book. You know, the um, the emotional core of the book is always kind of behind a veil. It's always a little bit masked, like behind like a sheet of rain. You know, and uh, and I, I like that. You know, the reader can dig and find this secret little uh, surprise waiting for them. You know, like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I kind of I kind of like how that's come out. You know, uh, yeah. Now, did you you did the, this book is about your experience teaching in Korea. Um, what was the choice to That's go right, to Korea yeah. and teach there? Uh, you're originally from England. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, I, I was working in um, I worked in television. I was uh, I, I studied. I went to film school and studied animation. So it was like a split film and animation course. And then I worked in television and you know did lots of graphics for TV uh, for the BBC. Um, you know, sort of animating sequences and designing sequences for, for BBC documentaries and stuff. And um, then I became a freelancer, like trying to do music videos and animation and stuff like that. And uh, and eventually, um, you know, it was kind of an experience. I didn't quite know what I was doing, and I, and I went broke. And uh, and I just decided, you know, like this has kind of been my whole life. You know, I need a break from it. I need to like see the world a little bit. You know, so uh, and. Obviously, teaching is a very good way of doing that, you know. So, um, teaching teaching English as a foreign language. So, uh, and the choice is pretty simple. Like, you know, Japan is way too expensive to live there. You get paid a decent amount, but um, Japan is so expensive to live that you you won't get to save any money doing it. And then China, 
it's very cheap to live in China, but you're not going to get paid anything there because uh, their currency isn't worth so much. And then Korea is just a happy medium. You can you can uh, and like a, it's kind of like a boring and a very um, practical reason to go to Korea. But um, most of who, the people I talked to uh, had the same reason for going out there. And uh, but in time, you know, like. Uh, I really fell in love with the place. Like um, I, I was on a little island below South Korea, and uh, and while I was there, I was um, teaching every day, making up lessons every day, and trying to in incorporate my drawings into the lessons. And um, and while I was doing that, I was putting an enormous amount of drawings online, like uh, and, and putting all my lesson plans online. And uh, so I was make I was kind of like making a name for myself on the internet while I was a school teacher. It was, uh, yeah. Um, what, um, had you traveled or lived in other places like that before, or was that like the first time you'd gone? And it was yeah, it was absolutely the first time I'd uh, really lived outside of the country. Like I was, you know, none of my family had really lived outside of Britain, and I, uh, you know, we're, we're from the Midlands, like the, we're from the West Midlands. Like um, you know, we're not really near any major cities or anything like that, which is. Uh, so yeah, a lot kind of sheep. small town people. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're kind of small town people, and um, but but yeah, like uh, for some reason or another, like I'm um, out of my whole family, I seem to have gone the furthest afield. Like uh, I'm I'm from England originally. Did I establish that? Like uh, maybe <laughs> maybe you worked it out for my accent. But, but yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if people would have been able to tell. Uh, yeah, just in case you thought like the West Midlands of Queens, you know. Like, <laughs> no, How old uh, were you when you yeah. went to Korea? I was, uh, I think it was about 25. Okay. What, how did the experience change for you? Because that's kind of like a, for myself, 25 is kind of like a turning point age. Yeah, it was, um, it was interesting. I mean, I mean, it's funny, the, the story, I decided to focus on quite a, uh, I decided to focus on quite a miserable day that I had, you know, like, um, and I don't want to put people off the book by saying that, but like, uh, you know, I, I figured uh, drama comes out of conflict. So, um, but but I, I actually had like an amazing time out there, and it was like the f I think it was one of the first times where, you know, I'd got to be an adult on my own terms. You know, like I'd actually gone out and, you know, I was earning money and had my own bunch of friends, and uh, and um, I was just incredibly inspired by the place. You know, like every. Um, single thing people did there just seemed so new and interesting to me, you know, so, so it was all like making its way into all the illustrations I was doing and uh, everything I was drawing and um, yeah, you, you're absolutely right, it was um, it, it was kind of a watershed moment, you know, like uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was good, it was, uh, and, and in, in that time I, I also went to, uh, I went to Japan for a little bit, um, which is kind of a long story. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it, it, it was great. Yeah. Showbiz man, I had this bugged out dream last night that I was the devil's son. B, I was doing some ill shit. When I was twelve, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. When I was twelve, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. I'm waving automatic guns at nuns. When I was twelve, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. When I was twelve, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. When I was twelve, I went to hell for snuffing Jesus. L's a rebel on a higher level. Go get the shovel, cause I'm the only son of the motherfucking devil. It's the fact I'm living foul. Black niggas should've known I was sick from the shit I did a while back. Cause being bad, I couldn't stop when I was in preschool. I beat a kid to death with a wooden block. Faggot niggas, I was back slapping. I realized that every time I got mad, that something bad happened. A nigga hit me with a can of beer, then he ran in fear. Later they found a nigga from a chandelier. Enemies, I be fucking quick. My mom's know who I am, cause she know who she was fucking with. On my scalp, the 666, no tricks when I catch fits. My mom picks up the crucifix, and I kill jumps for the Jesus Christ. I'm rolling with Satan, not Jesus Christ. Enemies, I got several done. Big L straight from hell, the motherfucking devil's son. And I'm all about taking funds I'm a stone villain Known for killing and raping no 
guns. Hey, yo, I even kill handicapped and crippled bitches. Look at my scout real close and you'll see triple sixes. There's no doubt I'm all about a dollar. I just signed a lifetime contract with the funeral parlor. This kid, yo, on me, yo. I didn't take his life. Instead, I tied him up the maid and watched me rape his wife. One nigga cold tried to diss me and that shit is risky. The nigga took a swung, but he missed me. So I popped off, now a jump's knocked off. I spit in his motherfucking face and then bopped off. Once a hottie shot me with a shotty, I died, but then I came back to life in a double body. The way I'm living is dead wrong. I'm a devil from hell without the tail. All the red horns killing is fun. I'm number one with a gun front and you're done because you can't run from the devil's son. did it change for you as far as what you wanted to do with your art um, kind of being in this different place different experiences um, before that you say you're doing animation um, for television stuff yeah I mean um, uh, yeah I, uh, I, th I think it was like in about 2007 I started reading uh, I think there was two artists there was um, Shintaro Kago have you, have you heard of this guy? no I'm terrible with manga though so uh, right Shintaro Kago is a, uh, a a Japanese artist who uh, he does these all these short stories, but they're all like um, to me they feel a bit like um, Charlie Kaufman or Michel Gondry. You know, they're they're all set set in like a um, a realistic world, but they seem to just in, incorporate one foreign element. You know, they incorporate one fantastical foreign element to to the story. Like um, there's one amazing story he did, which. Um, it's not like one of his most emotional pieces, but like uh, maybe it could give you an idea of the sort of maybe the sort of tone he kind of works with. But there's um, basically a young woman, uh, maybe she's in her late teens. She gets an abortion, right? And um, in the next day, she finds out that the ghost of her aborted baby is above her head, like just floating there, and it won't ever leave. Like it's uh, so every time she looks in the mirror, it's there, you know, and. Uh, and, and the story just takes a direction you don't expect it to take at all. Like, um, she gets like two or three more abortions and there's two or three more aborted babies above her head. But then she meets like her old friend from high school and her old friend is like, oh, ho, ho, only three babies? That's pathetic. Look at this. And she's got like a display of like seven aborted babies above her head. And, and, and the whole thing turns into like this high school rivalry where, where they're trying to get like um, the most aborted babies, or each trying to outdo each other with displays of aborted babies floating above their heads, and um, <gasps> and then like, uh, and this girl's like fucking as many men as she can, and she's like, this is brilliant, and there's no way Fujiku could ever uh, beat this, and then she meets Fujiku, and, and Fujiku's got like so many, and she's like, what happened? And she's like, oh, I, I had quintuplets, <laughs> it resulted in a four-body get, right? And, <gasps> and then, they, they, as it's escalated to, to um, you know, out of control, they have a woman in like a kind of a 
kimono comes out and she said this is ridiculous this is no way to do it you can't just um, carry on you know adding more and more babies that's not artful or artistic in any way come inside the dojo and let me show you and there's these people with these amazing bonsai arrangements of uh, aborted babies on their heads and then and there's one woman who's like uh, they said um, she's alternated sleeping with black and white men to get this alternated striped pattern of babies right? <laughs> to get alternate so, so, but, but like um, is this the guy that did DDT I don't know what DDT is or um, Mr. Arakshi's fun show or fun possibly I, I mean like I've, I've used like a very grotesque example of what he does but like um he he sort of creates these um, systems with their own internal logic and rules, and then just um, you know, and creates each new characters each time, and then like lets those systems kind of like uh, sort of chaotically and entropically uh, escalate, you know. And um, and and reading his comments, like it, you know, it was so inventive and so exciting, and it, it was like kind of what made me think, like uh, you know, maybe comic books is something that I can do, you know, maybe this is. Uh, like maybe this is an exciting field that I want to uh, want to be a part of, you know. Like because I'd always drawn comics as a kid, but I never like really seen it as a career, you know. And um, I think it was like uh, like seeing like an, a guy who's like a true artist, like this Kage Shintaro guy, like in maybe two thousand and seven, was what me what made me want to do my own stuff, you know. Um, yeah. So um, so I did that James teacher book as. Um, just a, you know, I was just doing it while I was in the middle of like a, a large graphic novel. We did, I did this huge kind of blockbuster graphic novel written by these two other guys, uh, uh, Sean Watson and Finley Cram, and it's called Walk, Walk Don't Run. It's a 200-page like epic sort of. It's it's like Akira or something, you know. It's fucking huge and like on such a massive scale. And while I was doing that, I did this James Teacher book. And um, but uh, since then, I've been working on my own book called. Um, Zygote, right? Which is um, sort of um, in the vein of the stuff that inspired me to get into comics in the first place. Like it's kind of like inventive and sort of poetic, you know. And uh, I, I'm working on it right now. Like I've, we've, we just got like the whole thing printed off and um, in a readable form. And um, me and my girlfriend were going through it, and uh, you know, we were making edits and stuff, and the whole thing. We're very pleased with how it reads, you know. Like, uh, so I'm just like making changes to it, and uh, we're, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this book, Zygote, which is, um, I'm right now I've set up a website for it called um, just simply zygotebyharveyjames.com, and um, it's not online yet, but hopefully, uh, when this podcast drops, um, there'll be like a preview of the comic there. Like, um, so that's so that's the thing, like, I'm excited about right now is uh, this book, Zygote. I was wondering because I, I felt like um, James Teacher wasn't really indicative of your work. So I was looking right, at the right. art, but seeing other stuff, and it seems very different. Yeah, it's it's, it's um it's kind of feels a little bit weird that um right now the James Teacher thing is what people know me for. But like uh, I've done a lot of stuff for like Vice magazine, and um, I've uh, I do I do a lot of illustrations of you know design for video games, and um, you know, and it's um. Yeah, it's a very different tone and texture to the uh, to, to the James Teacher book, you know. Like, um, and yeah, go. On. Oh uh, well, how when you did that book, did it kind of? Mm. What was the choice to do something so different? Was it just to kind of test well, yourself out in a different way? I guess I've um, always worked in a lot of different styles. Like, I, I've I've never like uh, never tried to see like what I do as a concrete shtick that I have, you know, like um, I, I really admire cartoonists who really have their shtick worked out and you can always tell, oh this is this man's drawing because um, because I'm always sort of trying new things and I'm sure eventually like um, it will get to the point where people can um, recognize one of my drawings for, uh, you know, but, but, but right now I actually, um, if, yeah it feels like every new project like uh, Requires like a new style or a new tone, new way of working, you know. So, uh, so, so yeah, the James Teacher thing, like it just happens to have kind of squeaked out, and you know, I, I never intended to, to be published really. Um, 
the blank slate sort of uh, saw it and um, said, "Hey, you know, can we can we publish this?" And I was like, "Sure, I guess." You know? um, yeah, now they're publishing Walk Don't Run and Psycho. Oh, oh no, they're they're not publishing Walk Don't Run. Um, oh, okay, that's a, that's another company called. Um, well, last thing I heard because it's, the book is kind of out of my hands at the moment. It's kind of a long story, but. Um, Last thing I heard, it was a company called um, Madefire, but uh, <laughs> it's it's insane that I uh, have such like a tenuous grasp on what's actually happening with that book. But um, but yeah, it's um, I don't I don't own it. It's the, the two other guys who wrote it. Like uh, we we all co-own it, but it's like uh, they've got kind of a def pretty definite vision for uh, how they want to distribute it. So um, last I heard, we're going with uh, Liam Sharp's company, Madefire. Like um, oh okay. Yeah, Liam, Liam Sharp was the guy who drew like Death's Head two in the in the nineties, and uh, and his Hulk was... run. What what's that? His Hulk run. Oh, did he do the Hulk? Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah, he, I, from from everything I gather, like um, he's very well respected amongst like uh, you know, comic book guys. But I've I've never really read like uh, Western comics all that much, like like superhero comics and stuff. So I didn't really know of him before like um, I met him, you know, but. Um, yeah, he, he seems like a nice guy. Like, it's, it's very weird. Like, um, he's friends with my brother-in-law, so he was actually he, Liam Sharp was at my sister's wedding, and so like Liam, Liam Sharp ha has all this footage on his wife's camera phone of like uh, me dancing. Like, um, <laughs> like it's really it's really weird. Like, um, they're like, oh, by the way, we we got like about ten minutes of you on the dance floor. Like, like uh, so, so I can't, I don't think I can ever fuck with them, you know, because um, they've got so much blackmail material right now. You know, like that kind of thing terrifies me. <laughs> I hope you dance well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. What's it? Um. It, you seem a little disconnected from it, um, because it wasn't your work completely. Am I getting the right vibe? The I, right I idea. I suppose so. I mean, like, uh, I mean, I think when I took it on, I was uh, sort of seeing it as. You know how like um, Stanley Kubrick would uh, take a book by Stephen King and then just like do his completely do his own thing with it and like kind of uh, put his own stamp on it and and I think like um, I was kind of arrogantly seeing the script I was given as like raw material that I could adapt and turn into my own thing and um, and actually the the dynamic was very different it was like uh, you know the two writers uh, had a very concrete vision and uh, they. You know, at the at the end of the day, it was an equal partnership, except uh, there was two of them and there was one of me. You know, so like, uh, it, I think uh, I think the final book doesn't feel particularly like it's my vision all that much, but it's uh, it's definitely uh, I'm definitely proud of having worked on it, and I think there's uh, some amazing stuff in there, and, and they've written something, you know, incredibly sincere and heartfelt, and you know, and exciting. You know, like it like the the thing feels like a blockbuster kind of comic book. You know, it's uh, you know. I think it's a good book, but it's uh, never really felt like my thing, you know. It never, it never really felt like I'd been able to put much of my own. Uh, bring, I never felt like I'd been able to bring as much to it as I would have liked to have. But um, it's, uh, it's still like a very good book, and like, and I'm excited to uh, see it when it comes out. You know. Is that uh, kind of what's going on with Zygote? Is kind of your chance to just go yeah, where you want to go? That's it. Zygote is my book. Like Zygote is um, like absolutely my book, and uh, and I'm very pleased with how it's coming out. You know, it seems to like hit all the right notes. Like, um, and that's the one that's coming out from Blank Slate. Yeah, at the at the moment, it's def it's uh, fated to come out on Blank Slate. But um, I'm pretty tight with uh, the people at Blank Slate, and we may figure out some other way of distributing it. I'm not. I, I don't want to give too. I don't want to say too much, but like, um, as of right now, yeah, it's definitely uh, going to be a blank slate book. You think? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what a terrible answer! But yeah. <laughs> so tell me a bit about Psycho. Like, what's the concept to it? Right. Um, well, Psycho is about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my, my, girlfriend's laughing. my girlfriend's laughing in the background because uh, um, last time I was on a podcast having to describe this thing like I just I, I found it so hard to talk about that like I had to get her to just describe it for me 
but um, and she she came, she stepped in. But, is um, it like very personal, or is it just taking it's, you somewhere um, you're not expecting? It's, it's, it's funny because like um, I'm never I'm never sure where to start with it, but, but basically it's um, it, it's set in a world where a new process has been invented, where um, people can they they basically scientists in this world have you know, which is planet Earth, you know, it's like, you know, planet Earth in 2012, you know, like, they've managed to um, splice the human genome with that of plants, and um, so that the human body can um, divide and reproduce like a tree might, so you could, as a human being, you could have branches of yourself growing off yourself, and um, so, like, we've got these pictures of uh, the main character where he's got, like, um, a baby version of him growing out of his back, and then growing out of that baby version of him is a, f a fetal version of him, you know, and um, you know, for, uh, and, and the book kind of explores like um, you know the people who want to have this process done to them, like uh, what are they compensating for, what they lack in their life that this can uh, this can help them out with, and um, so you see like people who put it in like practical applications, um, for example, you know. A waitress who just literally needs extra pairs of hands, like um, you know, so she's got like her baby offspring and her teenage offspring with babies growing out of them, <laughs> and and, uh, and they're all holding like extra cups and sauces and uh, drinks and things for the patrons of this restaurant. I mean, like, that's like a very simple application, but um, the main character who um, the story follows is this guy called Phil, who's um, a university lecturer and. Uh, and and basically he's he's a very interesting character. Like he's uh yeah, actually I think my girlfriend just said she wants to talk wants to help me talk about it. I didn't say that. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Want help? yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright. See see this is what happens, like I stop floundering and then like uh, I get assistant stuff in. You were doing fine. Hi, this is Lee. Hi Lee. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Welcome to the Ink Sense Radio Show. Thank you. Uh, I guess I'm the unofficial editor, so I'm sort of qualified to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> you should see the daggers I am visually shooting at. at <laughs> the right now. Um, yeah, so it follows the story of this guy who's particularly off-putting and socially awkward, and for ambiguous reasons he decides to go through this asexual reproduction process. And um, he meets a woman who's undergone the same, and I, I think that you know, he talks a lot about Shintaro Kago and how he likes how that particular artist that James admires um, makes one element in the environment absurd in order to um, make subtle statements on things that are subtle or more universal. And I think that's what James is doing as I go. Um, it becomes a story about um, social conditioning and about intimacy and, um, you know, sort of emotional versus sexual intimacy and, and uh, emotional versus biological needs. I think that this one bizarre element that he's added um, allows the story to make all kinds of quiet statements about that and uh, it's also kind of disturbing at times. I think it's pretty cool. The, it sounds pretty disturbing with the um, the people growing out of people. It's kind of like uh, how to get it ahead in advertising. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, but and, and I guess this isn't this isn't what he didn't he didn't give me the phone so that I could talk him up, but the fact <laughs> is he's drawing shit out of this thing. And if anyone can pull it off, he can. I mean, like I think I think when, when he doesn't know what to do narratively, he just draws his face off. And uh, <laughs> um, but in this case the narrative is really strong and he's drawing his face off, so it's something that sounds like sounds absurd in practice, but is to me really exciting in execution. And I'm not even like a huge comics person. Um video game person, um, similar but related. Um, yeah, anyway, I'll give you back to him. Bye. Thanks, Lee. <laughs> hey. Welcome yeah, you back, see, Harvey. You, you see why, um, well, thank you. you. You see why I, I like, ask you to come over, because she's just, like, so much more at, like, saying what I want to say than I am, you know? Like, that, that's why I'm a fucking comic book artist, you know, because I can't <laughs> talk, you know? I make the words for you, James. Yeah, she, does, she just says, I make with the words for you. Yeah. She, she, <laughs> Oh. This, is why, this is why people turn to comics and drawing, like locking themselves away, because um, you know, because we're like um, terrible at interpersonal communication. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not true. You're doing quite fine. 
Yeah, but um, talking about my own work is just something that I find uh, very hard, which is uh, unfortunate since that's what this podcast is about, I guess.
You do a lot of uh, fan art. Oh, or I've seen did a fair you, amount of fan art. Looking did you read Nick Gazen's article? Is that how you got that? I took a quick look at a Nick Gazen article. Yeah, yeah, because like I remember that. Like, um, he he wrote like, um, uh, Harvey James comes from a fan art background. I'm like, motherfucker, like, is I Nick used to like totally? Is he totally full of shit? You can you can just say it because Gazen is full of shit most of the time. Nah, Nick's awesome. No, no, I like Nick Gazen a lot. Like, uh, I, I was hanging out with him the other day. Actually, um, he's he's a, he's a cool dude. Like, um, and, and actually, I, I respect Nick a lot as a journalist and as as a as an artist. Like, uh, I don't want to like blow the guy too much, but like, um, I, I, I like think that. he's <laughs> yeah. But honestly, like, um, I guess comic book people seem to sometimes have a problem with him, but I I honestly think he's on point most of the time. Like, uh, I I read that guy's column, you know. He's uh, but yeah, like, um, but but that that article he wrote about me, like, uh, felt a bit like a kick in the junk. Like he, he said, like I I was a I came from a fan art background or something. Like, uh, I don't know, but like, um, yeah, like I I, I didn't just like uh, get a deviant art one day. Like I, I fucking went to film school. You know, as an animator, I studied this shit for years. You know, like. Well, uh, what I was thinking is, I was going through your stuff, and I saw like you had this big long diatribe about your interest in clouds. So I'm wondering about that influence because you talked about that one book you'd read with the. Um, the floating fetuses, and uh, my my, inter my interest in clouds. Clouds, Dan Clouds. Oh, Dan Clouds, right, right, right. Yes. Um, oh, you you find my um, you found my article about how um, Dan Clouds is like laid secret clues in his work as to how he's killed people. <laughs> is, is it that one? I didn't read it that closely. Is that what the article's about? Yeah, yeah. Well, the the title of the article was "It is only a matter of time before we find out where Dan Clowes hid the bodies." <laughs> I, I, I was I thinking that I was thinking that just referred to the fact of his talent had to come from somewhere. And oh no, you know, no, I, a... I meant it very literally. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I genuinely believe that man is killed and plans to kill again. Like, uh, <laughs> if you, if you, if you Google um, Harvey James Dan Clowes. I hope you'll find it. Um, but yeah, like look through all his work. Like whenever they, whenever people talk about Dan Clouds, like they always talk about you know he's the, the voice of this generation. You know he's like uh, you know he's a guy from the OK Soda packaging. He he's like the, this modern day comic book J D Salinger. He's um, he's all these things you know. But really, like you go through his work and there's like the prevalent theme is that he just wants to destroy the human race you know like he, <laughs> like the dude fantasizes about like like all all his stuff is about murder like um you, you after ghost world every single made long form story he wrote is in some way connected to like a killing or or a kidnapping or you, you know what i mean like and like to, to the point where like death ray is like about um isn't like at the end of the book like he just wipes out the entire human race like but that's like a prevalent theme in everything Klaus does like uh, there's, there's always like um and, and like and like the reason for murdering is usually because they're like too stupid to live or something you know like that I think that's what happens in art school confidential is that um there's um a disgruntled old professor who uh, says that humanity is too stupid to live and they and, and then like you look at like the the gimmick is that this professor like does paintings of the people he's killed and you look at the paintings of his victims and they're like uh, the kind of like toothy dumb looking jocks that Dan Klaus always draws you know like uh, yeah it's um, I, I, may, I mean it may sound like a bit of a stretch you know like it may but just have a look at my article like I compiled like I did a lot of research like uh, <laughs> I think I think I make a quite persuasive case you know like like I'm worried about the guy like and honestly like I think it's only a matter of time. Like we're gonna we're gonna find out some shit about that dude. Like, like, <laughs> like there's literal skeletons in the closet somewhere. <laughs> I don't even want to know what you think about Chris Ware. Then I fucking love Chris Ware. Sorry, I've got a piece of salad in my mouth. Um, sorry, I'm I'm just like snacking on this diner food that we got. Like, thirty minutes ago. Um, I'll stop eating. Sorry, that's disgusting. Uh, this is a radio show. Um. <laughs> No, I fucking love Chris Ware. He's like that, that, that guy. That guy's amazing. Like, um, I, I think like some of my peers uh, give him a hard time too. Um, but 
Have you read his book Lint? Like you must have read oh, that. Oh yeah, right? I've read everything Chris Ware has done and more. Oh yeah, like uh, I'm like Lint is his uh, window and. I, I actually I actually read read Lint with um, my sister. Like we both sat down and just read it like page by page, and uh, and like she we were just devastated by the final page. Like it just blew us away. Like uh, she cried, you know. Like uh, and she's not a comic book reader at all, you know. Like she tends to think that anything I'm interested in is like dumb by default, you know. But like uh, she she said like it's the only comic book that's ever made her cry. Just um, it's. Uh, absolutely devastating piece of work like it's I, I say it's like um, I think it came out in like 2010 maybe and it's just without a doubt the best comic book that's yeah been released it was, was released that year and probably like in the two years since you know um, that's I'm, I'm good at maths right like two years since 2010 <laughs> no, that just, that year and a half year and yeah. a half since it came out Let, yeah. let's say let's say that like I, I think that's uh, and I don't really hear people talking about it all that much but I think it's honestly like one of the best comic books I've ever read. Like, Chris Ware's the fucking guy, you know? Like, he's, he's, he's amazing. What's it been like for you um, traveling a lot? Now you live in New York. Yeah. And um, finding comic community there. Have you been getting in touch with the community there? And has it kind of been something you've been driving off of? A little bit. Like, um, I went I went to that thing that um, Kate Beaton and Michael Cooperman put on where, um, you, you know, they, they do like a weird stand-up thing where people get up and like they project their comic books onto a, onto a screen and they kind of like frame by frame, mm-hmm. like read them out, you know, and, um, and, and Beaton was there, she did like a very funny uh, reading of like some, she just like took us through some research she, she's been doing and it was, but um, I actually like uh, met, I, I didn't actually... Like, like I'm talking like I was totally like growing down with these people but actually, actually I only talked to Nick Gazin who was in the audience so like uh, yeah that's it that's the extent of like the uh, comic book community that I've engaged with was I hung out with Nick Gazin this one time I've, like, I've been here like a month um, but I, I know I know a bunch of people here but I've not really like because uh, I guess like um, you know I'm living with this uh, new girlfriend that I've got and uh, we've kind of just been pretty like uh I don't know, like a bit too into each other to like uh, start start meeting like uh, well well yeah like we're going to like uh, we've been hanging out with like her Brooklyn kind of like bandy kind of friends but you know like they're all in bands and stuff and we're going to their shows but I've not actually like met anyone in comic books at all like uh, I've been really slack on that like I, I should actually uh, meet some comic book dudes but uh, there's some there's some good folks there. You know, other, than, other than Nick Gazin. Um <laughs> You don't like that guy at all. You've got Oh, he's fine. You got, you got, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's he's, he's good. He, get, he gets a hard, he has a hard time from uh I've noticed that like he does get a hard time from uh other people in comic books, but I I respect the guy a lot. Thank you. <laughs> um yeah. Tell me about uh speaking of Nick Gazin, tell me about your uh strip you did for Vice the uh, the Daphne's birthday. Oh right, yeah. That thing um, is fucking crazy. You like that thing? Yeah. Um. So um, I have a friend called Daphne, and uh, I, I met her on Live Journal. Um. I actually no, I think I think I met her when I used to, like. I used to fucking spend way too much time on video game forums, and uh, and she was like, you know, like the forum girl who got like attention by being insane and. Uh, you know, but she's got like she's like a, a great person. Like she's got really great taste in everything, and uh, and uh, she's a friend of mine. And um, on her live journal one time, she wrote this very long and detailed account of uh, the time she went to jail. And I adapted it into a comic book. Is the uh, long and short of it? Like um, I, I've been doing comic books about her before. Like. Uh, like these little kind of like Aussie and Harriet kind of comic strips about like her life with her boyfriend and um, you know because she's such like a very loud and interesting character um, you know they it, it was uh, you know they were, they were they were good fun you know they were, it was but but um, then I did like a very long form adaptation of her of her jail story for Vice magazine and it was uh, I think it was pretty well received like uh you know, I got introduced to quite a few people, like through you know people liking that comic book. I, th- I think, um, yeah, I, I I treated it with like um, 
the I think the exact amount of respect and reverence that she would have wanted me to treat it with, you know, like uh, I, I'm, I'm quite proud of how that came out. Um, yeah, yeah, Daphne's a palomine, yeah. It's I I looked through her live journal too a bit and it was a little maddening. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's the 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 background and whatnot. It was. Yeah, she uh, she kind of gets a kick off of um, being as visually obnoxious as she possibly can. Like she just like, you know, wears very loud colours and she's got quite a loud voice and um, she, uh, y you know, and and her the way she's designed her live journal reflects that. Like it's just, you know, the backgrounds all look like you know video game glitches and uh, it's incredibly colourful and everything's all in caps and uh, yeah, she's. Uh, she, she's a character, you know, like, uh, yeah. People should check it out. I think it's Daff, uh, Knee? Yeah. Knee um, spelled K-N-E-E. That's right, yeah. D-A-P-H-A, Knee, as in K-N-E-E, at, no, sorry, dot livejournal.com, yeah. For those that's that it. still use LiveJournal. Yeah, well, well yeah, well, for just people on the internet, you know, you'll find it. Um, well, thank you for taking the time with me today, Mr. Harvey well, no James. Problem. No, no problem, and thanks for having me on here. It's been a swell time chatting. Uh, just to remind folks, his book is A Long Day of Mr. James, Teacher, from uh, Blank Slate Books, as well as the upcoming, at some point, Walk, Don't Run, and Zygote also. Yeah, from... and please go to um, zygotebyharveyjames.com for information on that. There we go. Well, goodbye to the old neighborhood. This is the new neighborhood these days, I guess. Some other bunch of losers that's been covering that a lot lately, and we're pissed off. What do you want to do? Uh, jeez. Uh, 
See if you remember how to do this. Uh -oh. This is a new song. You guys want to hear a loud song or a soft song? Loud, soft. Who uh, said that? Uh, loud was the first thing I heard. Because uh, Herman Dune did a hell of a cover of that. We can't play that anymore after that. Yeah, yeah that was too good. With Doofus. Good.